Welcome to another edition of the Indie Corn Rose Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, joined by my co-host, Tom Lewis, and Kaylin Cooper of Indie Corn Rose. As we, you know, it's starting to become kind of a tradition getting together on Sunday night and having the weekend a little bit. And luckily, we have some good news this weekend. I think the last two, uh, last two podcasts we did together were uh, pretty dismal. But now we have a Pacers victory over the Philadelphia 76ers that I certainly did not see coming. Um, we have a lot to dive into. I think the first thing I'd say is just your main – what's your main takeaway coming into, uh, into the pod? Uh, Caitlin, what's, we'll start with you. You wrote a really nice piece on, on TJ Warren's 53-pointer last night, and would love to hear what your thoughts are. Right. I mean, that was just a really fun game for the Pacers, really enjoyable. I mean, I, I think the – Probably the only game I can think back to where you just felt like somebody was going unconscious like that for the Pacers was when Paul George was up in Portland. And, I mean, I think TJ kind of toppled that one even. So, I mean, just this is the hype cast. This is the hype cast <laughs> on the TJ Warren shot chart. And, I mean, there's other stuff we can get into. I mean, one, one thing I did share this morning is I give a lot of credit to Nate McMillan because – uh, you know, they've had a lot of adversity going on, going down in the bubble. They've had people in and out injuries. I mean, just as you think Victor's playing now, Malcolm has, you know, a neck thing and not that that's going to keep him out a long time, but it certainly was adjustments that they had to make. And just the contrast, like two or three times now between Philadelphia and the Pacers, when you get out on the floor, you can just tell that, I mean, both of them gave up 120 points, but the Pacers were really scrapping and competing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Philadelphia had quite a few breakdowns. And I just feel like, a Nate McMillan coach team most of the time is not going to take a night off. And not, not that Philadelphia wasn't taking the game seriously, just their level of effort and intensity. I think that Nate really gets the most out of that side of coaching. And, and I think that that game with everything that the Pacers were up against is one that like of all the teams in the bubble and how much they practice they have with people being out was probably like only a game that the Pacers could have won and maybe only a game that the Sixers could have lost. <laughs> like, I just think that that sums up both of them pretty perfectly. Yeah, I agree. I saw you tweet that out and I couldn't agree any more with that. Um, Tom, what are, what's your, what your kind of initial takeaway? Other well, than uh, spewing at, at ESPN for not picking the game up. You were, you were yeah. on one last night. I on loved Twitter. it, man. I loved it. I loved that they, they missed out on the best game of the night. Oh, by far. Um, and, uh, yeah, because the other games were all blowouts anyways. And, and uh, you know, there really was no reason. That was a, this is a great matchup regardless. But, yeah, that's all right. You know, we, we don't have to be on ESPN. I, I like listening to Denary and Buckner. It's all good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I can get used to talking about a win on Sunday night. That's, that's fine. Um, but, overall, I, I can what what uh, Kalen said. The Pacers, whenever they're in that underdog situation like this, it always seems to be when they're at their best. <laughs> when you least expect them to win, they rise up and, and somebody does something great and then everyone follows along. And, and that's kind of what we saw last night. I mean, there were some other great performances, you know, solid con- contributions in the shadow of, of Warren's, you know, spectacular night. Mainly, you know, Aaron Holliday just being solid and making a couple of huge plays uh, when they weren't going to, you know, when the gravity, I mean, Warren had all the gravity um, from the Sixers defense there by the, by the, down the stretch of the fourth quarter and Holiday made a couple of huge plays. Probably got fouled on both of them. Um, and, you know, seeing him rise up in that situation and, and make those plays, it was just really fun to watch. Um, guys execute 
And, you know, it was always that, oh, God, are they going to blow this night when you get such a big night from TJ Warren? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't safe until he hit that last three, but watch them execute and pull it out. And, you know, looking at the Sixers, you know, their big three had huge nights. Um, and yet they're bickering and, and they're not quite um, where they need to be. So it was fun to push them to that brink as well. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree. And I, I want to speak on Aaron Holiday for a minute for sure before we uh, get get going into anybody else. I thought he played, you know, obviously, I mean, nobody's going to top what TJ did. Uh, but in, in terms of the role players on the team, I think he had one of the best performances by far. He really, um, you know, I was, I don't want to say I was worried, but we talked about on the last podcast how, he was kind of, you know, playing outside of himself uh, during the scrimmages and really just forcing some shots that weren't there. And last night, I mean, to his credit, he just took what was given to him, really found his flow in the offense. And I think that was one of the better passing performances he's ever had. I just put up a clip a little bit ago on Twitter. Um, but there was there was a play where he he, he didn't snake the pick and roll because there was nobody in front of him. But, I mean, he was kind of double teamed going right into Joel Embiid. He went slow. He didn't just go right at it. You know, he had a tendency – uh, during the regular season and just kind of go full steam ahead into things and throw up a floater. Um, but no, he ended up finding, uh, I can't remember. I think it was, uh, I think he finds TJ open on the, on the right wing for a wide open three, but that was like, this just kind of typified his performance. He was really just letting things come to him and it was phenomenal. And he, he played some really solid defense too. He got switched on to uh, Ben Simmons at one point uh, off a of read. And he actually forced Ben Simmons to pass out from the top of the key. He tried to drive in, and Aaron just kind of held his base. And I don't know, he just had a great performance last night that it was uh, huge for moving forward. Definitely with the low turnovers. I mean, both out of he and McConnell. I mean, I think the Pacers only had 10 turnovers total, which was going to be huge (laughs) on a night when they, you know, gave up tons of offensive rebounds. I mean, I just think that goes back to it again. I mean, the the Sixers really weren't valuing possessions to the degree – that the Pacers were. I mean, I don't know how you can play with TJ McConnell for how many years in Philadelphia and not know <laughs> mm-hmm. that he's going to be down there at the other end, ready to steal inbounds passes where you're just kind of casually throwing them in. But, you know, and the Pacers were really <laughs> just getting after Yeah. And the Pacers were really just getting after it and pressuring a lot of those elbow entry passes too. But yeah, I mean, just on Aaron's front, it's very important that he be able to take care of the ball. And he was just, you know, what you said, solid. And, and it helped that I think that he got to play with with some pace too, because they were, you know, with Warren, they're running and gunning quite a bit. And that's kind of where I think Aaron's going to be at his best, just being able to get up at the floor and make a, a quick pass off a read. That's going to be a little bit easier than having to operate maybe necessarily in the pick and roll, even though he showed some good signs there last night too. Yeah, definitely. And it was funny. Well, not, not funny. Kind of, you always feel bad for somebody plays poorly but shake Milton was really struggling last night there was a you, you kind of wonder if maybe some stuff got to his head because uh, of how much he got drummed up and uh, I guess Sixers media whatever you want to call it but uh, no he could not hang with Aaron on the perimeter at all uh, he got just totally out of place on a couple possessions and uh, was his primary defender and did not have anything going offensively either uh, which definitely helped us. I think if he'd gotten things going it would have been a little bit of a tough cover for Aaron given his size but you know that was nice um, TJ McConnell finished with two offensive rebounds. How often can we say that? <laughs> Got one like right underneath Joel Embiid. That was phenomenal. I, I mean, his game was in terms of talking about the scrappiness, Caitlin. I mean, TJ, I, like, I'm again, it's a team victory, but there were those couple steals he had that could have been, uh, you know, just little lackadaisical things from the Sixers that you maybe don't pick up on that could have been just whatever if nobody's, you know, pressuring on that end. Um, 
but his his ability to just kind of sniff those things out was was huge last night. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that game started out. It, it was like you know men and boys. The Sixers were just overwhelming it. Seemed like it was going to be a blowout um, until Justin Holliday day finally hit a shot and and you know it avoided the shutout. But then they just that that effort, like you said, Caleb. You know, it started showing up on the defense. They got some steals and then taking care of the ball. That really did help nullify that size um, advantage because, you know, at one point, uh, Embiid and Simmons were just kind of volleyballing the you know, ball around until they got it in the hoop. And that's, you know, that's just frustrating playing um, against a team that at, at times can just get such quick, easy buckets where it seems like everything, you know, the Pacers are doing, they're having to work for. But uh, fortunately, TJ Warren got going, and they got some transition buckets. They got some of their own easy ones. And then, uh, you know, going on multiple runs throughout the game, you know, was also huge. I mean, they just never let up. And it always seemed like the Sixers, man, they, they just can exhale. And, and whenever they did, Pacers just hit the gas and went right by them. Yeah, it was interesting earlier. I mean, early because in the first couple of minutes they had about like three dunks, and they were oh, yeah. and they were forcing some of the switches. I wrote that piece on Saturday morning about how they were going to have to triple switch some of those out of there, and the Pacers weren't doing it, and they they were getting post ups, and I was like, oh you know, no. Yeah. And then then they the Pacers started forcing turnovers out of those catches. Justin was really good, kind of lurking around on the backside of that, and then they kind of went away from it for a while. Like I don't, their offense got very stagnant with with the people at the elbows where they were basically just hoping that they were going to catch it and be able to take somebody off the dribble. So uh, that was a boon. And, and unfortunately, like you said, Warren heated up pretty early and it was just like, you just tell he was in the zone. Like I just knew that like he came to play. <laughs> yeah. Not to like just totally destroy the Sixers, but I don't, it, their offensive game plan uh, for all the people who, you know, ch- like go on Twitter and say the hashtag fire Nate. Uh, I'm not saying it's all on Brett Brown. But if you had to watch the Sixers' offense every single night for an entire season, you would uh, you would definitely appreciate Coach McMillan's offense. <laughs> that, right. I mean, uh, I mean the the fit of the roster is, oh, is yeah. definitely awkward for sure. But yeah. I mean, I don't. There's definitely, I think, more that they could have been doing last night. Whenever they're having minutes with Ben at the four, whether he's setting an off ball screen and slipping, or you know, they weren't doing a lot with him as the screener to actually gain advantage. But you know. That's their problem. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about it. Um, so I think the the one thing I, I guess we can just get the kind of dark spot out of the way again, um, just so we can be optimistic moving forward. Miles really struggled last night. Uh, it was a tough game to watch for him. I mean, he, he kind of got it going a little bit offensively um, in the last probably nine minutes of the game, but I mean, two fouls in the first three minutes got pulled. Jakar came in. Uh, and I mean, Jakar honestly played better than he did yesterday. I, I think that, like, that sounds uh, a little harsh to say, but I think that's true. I mean, um, and I kind of just wonder if at this point it might just be mental for him because it is. Uh, I mean, body language is, is not great. You can just tell like he's he's not himself. He looks really tentative out there on on kind of both ends. Um, and I mean, he, he there was that kind of weird argument with I don't know if you guys caught up on that. He got into kind of an argument with Aaron Holiday. Uh, yeah. after he, I think it was his fourth foul. Um, but yeah, that was, it was just a, a, a rough performance for him last night. Yeah. I mean, to me, 
I, I give him a lot of credit because when he hit that three from the corner when when Embiid didn't really get out yeah. to him, that that was a huge shot. Yeah. I mean, that was tied 107-107. He makes that three. And, and really with no rhythm to be able to step in and hit that with the type of night he had, you know, I'm going to give him props for that. But, I mean, this is a long, you know, history of him getting into early foul trouble against Embiid. So, yes, he, he needs to be better and be able to still make contributions and not have his entire rhythm disrupted. But I guess I will call out the Pacers in this respect a little bit because you know that this is your player's weakness. Like, Miles Turner's yeah. weakness as a defender is against bigger low post imposing forces. He's had he's fouled out against Embiid. He's fouled out and been basically rendered obsolete and scored less than ten points several times by virtue of the fact that he was in foul trouble. So I wrote about it in November. I wrote about it a couple weeks ago. Like I don't know why they didn't come out from the tip and have him front. I don't know if that is like somewhat of a pride issue because he doesn't want to be a seven foot guy having to front. Because even when they went to that later, it was at least preventing Embiid from getting a catch and it was at least shielding Miles from getting a foul. So you're going to have to give up some high-low passes there potentially, and that's why you're going to have to rotate with speed. But at least Miles is getting to stay on the floor. And then, you know, they go to that 3-2 zone. Oh, that was ugly. Which that wasn't going to be successful, which, I mean, again, I wrote about that a week or two ago for my, like, five things piece. He's going to have to go – like, the Sixers automatically, the second they went to the 3-2, were overloading it to the corner because that's what you're going to do because Miles has to come out. And then at one point, Doug is at the four, has to slide over, and you're not preventing a catch to Embiid anyways. Like, I don't know why they weren't mixing in 2-3 earlier. Like, you, you knew you didn't have center depth. You knew you needed to protect Miles' fouls, and it doesn't completely excuse his play, but I do think it's somewhat your responsibility to game plan around what your players' weaknesses are, and, and that hasn't really happened in that matchup yet, though they did. They mixed in some 2-3 later, but it, the Pacers seemed pretty unfamiliar with with it, even though I know that they said that they practiced with it. They weren't executing super well with it, but I mean, I, I think that they needed to come out and be proactive against that matchup because, I mean, Brett Brown even had a quote at the beginning of the game where he was like, well, we expect we're going to see some fronting and some zone and, and we're going to go out. And I've already told Joel, he needs to get 10 plus free throws. And from the very beginning, we're going to go and attack that matchup. Like that's what he told the Sixers media. So they had to know it was coming. So, you know, that, that would be my quibble with the, the game planning last night. Yeah. The only positive really I can get from Turner, you know, you mentioned that three and, and there was a, uh, score right before that there was that there was it was a small stretch but there was that stretch at a key point in the game where miles was fully engaged and seemed to be like okay forget whatever happened earlier in the game i'm here i'm ready to make plays and, and make an impact um and then that kind of goofy foul that ended up fouling him out you know ended that abruptly um but you know may, maybe he was feeling a little better at that time. Maybe he figured something out. I don't know. I mean, the start of the game, even he wasn't in there long enough to for them to even, you know, try to exploit it. But I mean, Embiid was barely even getting out of the paint yeah. on him, and it's like, come on, let's just run some stuff and let him shoot because that's going to get his confidence going, anyways. Um, and then you know, if you're giving up twos to Embiid and he's hitting threes, then you're better off for it, anyways. But they never even got close to getting that going, unfortunately. But Again, it was T.J. Warren, big guy. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point about the 
the getting because Miles hasn't really even had a chance up until this point, which was what I was kind of looking forward to seeing to be guarded by Embiid. Because right, last right. year when he was playing with Thad, Embiid was guarding Thad so that he could stay closer to the basket. When he plays with Sabonis, Embiid guards Sabonis. So I really wanted to see, like, are we going to run the same opening play for Miles to get a post touch? Are we actually <laughs> going to, are the Pacers going to put him in the pick and pop and start early, you know, get Miles into a rhythm and pull Embiid out? But mm-hmm. like you said, like, Miles kind of got in the way of of that being able to happen as well as the defensive decisions. But yeah. And even when he got going on and what, you know, when he was able to play for a couple minutes, I should say, uh, they, he, was, he wasn't really popping a three. I didn't, that, you know, I, I don't think I counted any of times him popping a three. He might have yeah, been. He does once. some self checking. Um, he can get on the elbow and he wants yeah. to automatically go into a handoff. And, and I know it was a little that frustrating. Isn't, and, and to be quite frank, he isn't very fluid at doing it. So I don't, I don't really understand that approach, but. Yeah, well, moving into more positive yeah. things, because we did win, so we got to talk yes. about something positive, but I didn't want to get that out of the way. Uh, TJ Warren, like, I mean, first of all, let's just be honest. Did, none of us expected him to come out like this. We know TJ's an incredible score, really good player, developed into a two-way guy. Uh, you know, setting the – as Kevin Pelton eloquently put, he's now the all-time August scoring leader in the NBA. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something. Uh, just in a, in a remarkable game and the way that he did it too. I mean, sometimes it'll take him five or six games to hit 12, three point attempts. So, I mean, it's set career high in makes and attempts last night. Uh, obviously career high in points. I, I just can't, can't fault anything. It was phenomenal to watch. Right. And I, I, and I do, you do have to address that. I will say from the Sixers side of things, that was a really poor, um, if I'm going to rip the Pacers a little bit for their approach, it was a poor approach by the Sixers and that like kind of like the Pacers with Mo Williams several years ago, once somebody <laughs> has gotten this hot, like I don't know why you're not forcing <laughs> TJ Warren who barely ever passes the ball into being a passer. Like he's coming off of curl cuts and they call it a meeting of three. You're coming off the cut. You have somebody trailing. And the big is way back, and the person that's pressuring off the passer isn't coming over to me either. Like, he had all of the space that he wanted to shoot those shots, even clear into the fourth quarter. Like, mm-hmm. it was just – it was remarkable. And then, you know, Ben Simmons is top-locking, and, and Al Horford has no interest in coming off of Jakar Sampson to go help. Like, it was just spectacular to just watch TJ Warren just tear that up. And, and But on the other hand, like TJ did things that we really haven't seen him do. Like what you just said, it wasn't even just that he was taking threes. He was operating out of the pick and roll and pulling up for threes. And he was taking much deeper threes than he's ever taken. And he was stepping back when he never stepped back. like not to go and editorialize too long, but I do have to share some of these numbers because they're just ridiculous. Mm. Like he Lay made, him on me. Oh, yeah, I'm he excited. He made three pull-up threes. <laughs> and for the year, he averages – 0.3 attempts. <laughs> okay. So that's one. I last night, whenever I was up until the wee hours, I measured out and looked on basketball reference and NBA.com of his nine threes that he made. The average distance was 27 feet on the year prior to going to the bubble. He's taken six shots that deep. So he took more shots from that deep last night in one game than the entire season. And he took, he was four or five on shots within the first seven seconds of the shot clock. He only averages about three possessions in transition a year and about less than 6% of his shots come within that range. So, I mean, the Pacers for a team that does not run and gun, they were doing a fair amount of giving him a very green light and knowing that, you know, we got to play it with pace so that we're avoiding having to, you know, get locked up with potentially Philly's 
linked in the half court. And then, you know, the last stat, he made three step back shots and he's only attempted less than 20 of those this year. So that's all in the article if people want to read it. But I mean, I just was flabbergasted by those numbers and the fact that he looked comfortable taking them out of the pick and roll. Like if he continues, not, he's not going to make them at this level, obviously, mm-hmm. but if he's willing to take it, take some of those deeper so that you can open up driving lanes for Victor, especially when he Victor's going to start drawing the top wing assignment. I would think if he starts looking a little bit more like himself, like that's big, that's going to open up space. So, you know, just phenomenal performance from TJ Warren. I highly enjoyed it. Can't get enough of those numbers. I know that, um, you know, kind of after the last scrimmage game, we're kind of talking about, how it might be an adjustment for him playing out of the four, depending upon who's guarding him and possibly getting shots in different spots. Obviously, that was not a problem. But, I mean, also, you know, going against Ben Simmons and, and Matisse Thibel, uh, that, you know, that that's a nice 53 <laughs> against those two guys in general. Um, I thought Thibel, of course, I'm biased because of his UW roots, did pretty well on him defensively. But regardless, I mean, you know, I ha- you have to think that, Sixers felt they'd be able to man up on a Warren and keep him in check. But like Kalen said, you know, that at some point they had to start throwing everything at him. And uh, they just weren't in sync to do that. I mean, again, it comes out of the Sixers' execution compared to the Pacers is just, you know, ridiculous. Um, and it shows you how, you know, you can over, overcome a, a talent barrier with, you know, just playing well and playing hard. It's incredible. So. Kudos to TJ Warren for exposing all of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's it's funny, too. I mean, I, I texted you last night, Tom, when TJ went into – I think it, they were up two or three. It was after Vic pulled down that rebound, uh, and TJ just launched a three probably five seconds into the shot clock right when they got set. And I, I texted you. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I was about to tear my hair out, and then it just swished. Like every <laughs> yep. single thing was going through. It was amazing. Um I'm really excited to see if he continues this moving forward. Cause obviously, you know, I've, I've hounded it pretty hard, uh, but I really just think he has a little bit more room to grow as an offensive player and doing more stuff on ball. And we saw that last night. It was uh, obviously he's not going to drop 53 every single night, but uh, I don't know. I'm really positive about him moving forward. Right. And, and um, so what you just said, I looked at that too, because he's averaged, uh, 3.1 possessions as the pick and roll ball handler. So with Brogdon out, that was about doubled. And that's just the possessions that he used. That doesn't count the ones that, you know, he, he was a pick and roll ball handler and maybe he passed out for a pass that didn't directly lead to his shot. Mm -hmm. So that isn't just, those are just the ones that ended in points, assists and turnovers, but he definitely got more reps with that when Malcolm was out. So, you know, that's maybe that's something that they can look at, especially, you know, four or five pick and rolls, I think would be beneficial for him because he's going to be quicker um, than some opposing fours. And um, I also pointed out in there, I have to, I have to get this in <laughs> that shot chart, not a single oh, baseline yeah. to not read your a article. Single baseline to not a runner, not a jumper, not nothing. Oh man. No. Yeah. That was great. And, uh, I really liked when he and Aaron started running their two-man game, and he was uh, he was setting picks at the top of the key for Aaron. Yeah. Uh, that was phenomenal because his gravity was great. I mean, uh, I, part of it's because 
Raul Neto is not exactly a, They couldn't a decide if they but, wanted to switch. I don't know. Yeah. And a few times, Neto, you could tell that Thibault was ready to, you know, he was he was getting very frustrated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you want me to leave this guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But at the yeah. same time, it's like if you can get TJ going like that and he's setting, he's setting the screens being used as a screener like that in the pick and roll, um, that was huge and opened up so much room for Aaron. Yeah, Aaron's been really good at driving from the slot and getting to the left side of the basket. That's that's been a good sweet spot for him. I just can't I just can't believe I just I had to check on synergy even just based off my own eye test because I'm like, I wonder if they track something different. Just not a single hard trap. Not a single <laughs> defense commits. Like I don't I don't get it. Like literally I think TJ Warren was like in the bottom five of the NBA in terms of minutes and number of passes he makes per game because he's, he's, you know, mostly a play finisher. And I mm-hmm. just, I just can't believe they weren't attempting to, to force him into making a pass. However, now that I said that, I will point out that there was one time where they iced him and he went to the baseline and I was like, Oh, he's going to, he's going to go over there and decelerate for a two. <laughs> it's coming. But he was really patient and found a cutter and they scored right on a layup. Oh yeah. Nice. I, was that the one? Wasn't I think he posted Harris. And yes, then he, it was like, a nice dime. I was like, I was, yeah. I was so, I was convinced that there was going to be a turnaround fader, <laughs> and, and he was patient, waited. Nice assist. I did love that. Love also, we got some uh, semi-passable TJ Leaf minutes last night. Can we say semi-passable TJ Leaf Absolutely. minutes? Absolutely. I think so. Like, uh, he looked very unsure of himself taking any twos, but I mean, he dunked on Joel and B. We have to mention that. <laughs> He, he had a passable highlight. I'll put <laughs> yeah. it that way. Yeah, a, yeah his minutes a passable, were not enjoyable great, highlight. The dribbling was was kind of terrifying, but at least he got on the board with that one, and he, you know, that one got shared quite a few times on social media. I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah take advantage of that. I mean, obviously, Miles didn't help the situation, so maybe he'll build some confidence off of that. Yeah, we can hope. Yeah. It was better than anything we saw in the scrimmages. That's for sure. Yeah, it doesn't take much, but well, yeah, something. Um, so, I, I mean, looking forward, we got uh, – I have a couple of game previews. I actually just did one with uh, Kevin Broom of Bullets Forever this morning. I'm really excited for that one tomorrow. Um, but, I mean, obviously the Wizards, I'm not going to say that that's a sure win, but that's as close oh, to a sure like win Victor's as we're getting gonna, on the schedule. Yeah. Sounds like Victor's going to either sit out that one or the next one, so – yeah. yeah, I'd bet that. I mean, I just speculation. I'd bet that he sits out this one. I mean, That's what Washington's definitely yeah. way more winnable than Orlando, especially with Jonathan Isaac back, and he looked really freaking good. I don't know if you guys got to watch Jonathan Isaac in his last game, but he has not missed a beat defensively. Yeah, no, yeah, he looks sharp for somebody who's been out and bunches in a hurry. So we got, yeah, we have Washington coming up, Orlando. I think those are both two very winnable games. I think Orlando will be. Uh, maybe a little bit tougher uh, for sure, but I don't know. I'm excited. I, it's, I was trying to write it in an article last night, but a, I'd already written an entire article in the morning. So I got to, I got to that. <laughs> I, I got to writing a piece at about one o'clock in the morning. Uh, Cause I fell asleep after I finished watching the game and I, I got like a hundred words in. I was like, I can't formulate anything tonight. <laughs> so just to put it into words, I think just talk about you know, it. Yeah. Obviously, like I've told you, uh, Tom, you know, I, I, we were, I was pretty pessimistic coming in. Um, and not to, you know, be cliche or like overly, as, as you put, Caitlin, editorial. Um, I mean, TJ really just kind of, I don't want to say like turned the, turned the face of the, the franchise for this postseason. But, I mean, just looking at it, if we lose last night, 
You go down against the Sixers. The Sixers are going to take us over in the standings. Uh, <laughs> we'll drop to six. Um, and that's just a bleak outlook. Domas is, is out for most likely the entire bubble. Uh, Vic is, you know, in and out of games now, uh, not playing back-to-backs. Um, and that's just the poorest outlook. You know, playing Boston is not great. Um, and, and now this team's kind of on a high, and we, we, we play a couple winnable games, going to Miami later on. And you look at this team, maybe there is something that, that can be there in a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, I don't think last night was necessarily directly comparable because, you know, there's oh, going to yeah, be exaggerated not. game plans, and I don't expect that, you know, TJ is going to go 20 at 29. Like, if that doesn't happen, the rest of the team was kind of in the low 40s. And while they got solid contributions, it obviously helped that TJ got as hot as they did and that they could feed off of that energy. I mean, the, you looked over at the bench, and even though, you know, it's all social distance, like the Pacers were really into into mm-hmm. him getting to 50 and, and were pumped. And meanwhile, like you said, there's timeouts over on the Sixers side where they're literally getting into arguments. So, I mean, I still think there's time for Philly to figure some stuff out. And I don't think that they necessarily executed in the way. I don't think – I think they're going to value possessions more in a playoff series than they did last night. And obviously the offensive rebounding without Domas showed. And, and when they weren't getting really quick up the floor off of a turnover or when TJ Warren was on the bench or when he wasn't getting super involved, some of the offense did come up. So I don't know that I'll go right off of that. And I, I mean, I'll have to see more, but definitely after how the scrimmages were and with all the back and forth with Victor and the plantar fasciitis and, you know, even last night with Miles getting into foul trouble, just a really great bright spot to start all the restart off on and just, you know, give people some really good basketball to watch and, and be excited about the Pacers again and see them the next two games and, and get hyped for the Jimmy TJ rematch. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, really one of the most fun games of the season. Um, and considering the circumstances, it was just out of the blue kind of fantastic. But, um, you know, with thinking about Warren and, and spotlight being on him and, you know, Oladipo was fine last night and he played. You know, if, if those guys can be on the floor with, with Brogdon, um that's and, true. And everyone's got to worry about Warren like that. Um, like you said, it just opens things up considerably, especially when it, if, he's, if he's able to play at the four that effectively. Um, it is, you know, there's obviously going to be issues uh, depending upon the matchups, but um, we know they're going to they're gonna go down swinging, which would be great. And, and also, real quick, I mean, that was obviously a two- two-game win um, just because yeah. of the tiebreaker with mm-hmm. Philly. So um, that helps as well. It's just a, just a valuable win all around. It was really good. You say that about Victor and TJ. When Victor came back in for that burst at the end, I kind of wondered, like, you know, where's the ball going to go in, in this tight, right, close-game right. situation? And, you know, he backed off of it. Like, he had that really nice pull-up jumper where his, his brakes looked pretty under control and he had some uh, step back. Victor hit it. Yeah. But, you know, he, he stepped back and let TJ take the spotlight. And I thought that was a good showing that the team just really was willing to feed the hot hand and, and do what they needed to do to close out that game. Yeah, no, I agree. That was actually one of the points I wanted to bring up. I think that was really cool last night. He had a couple spurts, like, yeah, like two or three spurts where he came in and uh, took over a little bit and tried to get some stuff going on offense. And um, obviously he wasn't running a ton of plays, but the way that he was – he was doing a lot on defense – 
uh, didn't show up in the stat line necessarily, but he was really like you talked about with Justin uh, on the back line, kind of right. free safety. Vic was great at that. He was rotating over as the low man a lot. Um, just played an, a really, really solid game. Obviously, you know, points wise, scoring wise, not completely there. He really drove a couple times last night, which I was happy with. Um, yeah, the footwork's he, still a little bit muddled. Yeah, you the can burst tell, still is yeah, there. Yeah, he got but, into the paint. Yeah, and he was, you could tell he's really trying to um, generate contact and get those reps back to get his, to, to really try and actively draw free throws. So I thought that was huge. Um, I'm just excited. I don't know. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a high after last night, so I only got like three hours of sleep. So I can't, can't not be excited. But uh, yeah, we have yeah, a lot why, of Why fit. should you be? I don't That's think right. any of us should be non excited after a 53 point game. Exactly. Like, like live that up. Oh, I yeah. will. I'm young. I'm, I'm, I'm handsome. I'll keep things going, you know? So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, I, I heard Mike Monteith on the, on the radio this morning. He mentioned that it's basically a, a once a decade thing for the Pacers. So, you know, having a guy score. That's a good point. Plus. So yeah, we, we got to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't uh, just one last thing uh, before I, I get us out of here. Um, I don't think I've enjoyed a game from the Pacers this much since I don't know if you guys remember it, but it was one of the first games without Vic last year. We're not one of the first ones. I think it was probably a month in, but uh, Paul George, we went and played in Oklahoma City against PG and Russ. And I think it was either Bowian or Wesley Matthews hit a shot with like three seconds left, ended up leaving with a win. That was one of the best games that. Oh, yeah, it was Wesley Matthews on the back. I love that game. I love that game as much. I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of Wesley Matthews' time here, but uh, I enjoyed the hell out of that game. Definitely got a. even better vibes this one. So, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Tom. It was probably, I mean, I can't really think of a more enjoyable one off the top of my head. So that says a lot. All right. Well, uh, what are you guys doing headed into the week, Caitlin? What are you What are you working on headed into the week? You know, I'm just gonna try to play it by ear. I'm kind of just letting the games guide me mm-hmm. what happens there, and then you know, unfortunately, I hope there isn't some further injury update. I hope Brogdon's ready and can get out there and start getting some repetitions with with victor which it sounds like he should be ready to go maybe later this week yeah yeah it's, it's kind of hard to hard to predict anything at right. this point we're in the kevin government mode anything is possible anything possible i feel like i have to be constantly on the ready for an injury update <laughs> exactly definitely i uh yeah no so yeah tom what are you what are you working on com- coming into the week well i'm kind of kind of the same thing just kind of previewing uh, the games coming up and get the back-to-back here. So uh, just going to be on constant watch for who's available and, and uh, who's not, more importantly. And hopefully that effort from T.J. Warren helped loosen up Malcolm Brogdon's neck a little bit and, <laughs> and uh, get everybody hyped to get out there on the court together. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's uh, so it's funny because I was now that I think about it, this is the first official uh, NBA game that I've ever covered. So it was cool. There you go. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, guys, thanks for coming on to everyone listening. Uh, thank you for listening. Please be sure to go rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify and read us over at Indie Cornrows. Have a good rest of your day.